0: ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime.
1: Om Young Masuk, you cover the Denver Nuggets for ESPN. Where are you right now?
2: I am in the ESPN Radio Green Room, which is connected to the press conference room where Michael Malone, Jamal Murray... Nikola Jokic just talked probably about, uh, about a little bit an hour ago. And I'm right down the hallways from um, the both the Nuggets locker room and the Heat locker room.
1: This is an unfamiliar feeling for basketball fans in Denver and for the Nuggets themselves. The team entered the NBA in 1976. They've never before even reached the finals. Now they are one win away from their first NBA title. What's it like? What's it like in Denver right now? Well, I think there's a sense of confidence from the Nuggets.
2: think today Nikola Jokic and the team were very loose on the floor in their you know, very brief moment where the media was allowed to watch their practice Michael Malone probably would rather have them feel a lot more desperate he talked today about saying you know I want this team to feel like we're the ones down 3-1 and I would say that any team that would even know what that is like it is the Denver Nuggets because if you remember in the 2020 bubble they not only came back from 3-1 once, they did it twice. They were the only team in NBA history at that point to do that mm. in back-to-back series against the Utah Jazz in the first round and then against the LA Clippers in the second round. So this team has been through a lot. They've been through a lot of adversity. And now that's in the driver's seat, Michael Malone's reminding them to remember what it's like to be in that adversity spot to feel that desperation, that urgency to fight the human nature of relaxing because I think that's what they did a little bit in Game 2.
1: It's been 47 years since the Denver Nuggets joined the NBA, and in that time, things haven't always panned out. But now the Nuggets are on the verge of finally striking gold and claiming the franchise's first NBA title. So today, with a potentially decisive Game 5 tonight in Denver, Nuggets reporter Om Young-Masuk tells us how Nikola Jokic has Denver positioned to ascend the NBA Summit and how the Nuggets became the most quietly dominant team in basketball. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Monday, June 12th. This is ESPN Daily.
0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: On Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight in Denver, the Nuggets can close it out against the Miami Heat. Friday night, of course, you were in Miami for Game 4. And there was a point at which it seemed the inevitability of Nuggets' championship was very much in doubt. Of course, when Nikola Jokic, the two-time NBA MVP, was forced out of the game with five fouls with nine minutes to play. Take us back to that pivotal moment in time in that sequence after he was forced to the bench.
2: Yeah, Jeremy, I thought the way that game was going, it was Miami's game. Everything Miami wanted and needed was happening. It was a low-scoring game. The pace was their pace. Nikola Jokic was not having a monster game by any means. Jamal Murray was not having an explosive offensive game. Aaron Gordon was, though, however.
0: Murray gets away, picks it out, Gordon. Corner three, puts it in. Aaron Gordon with a three-pointer.
2: But, you know, that's what you do. You take your chances with one of the other guys and, and hope that Jokic or Murray are the guys that don't beat you. And then Jokic picks up his fifth foul, and you're just like, You know what? This is really setting up for Miami to even this series. They could not ask for anything more. Mm. But then what ends up happening, Jeremy, is that what we've seen from Denver this postseason is them adapting and finding new ways to beat their opponent. This isn't just Nikola Jokic is going to beat you with his greatness and his triple doubles. This isn't just Jamal Murray is going to score 50 points on you and beat you that way. They just continue to find different ways to win games in a way that a championship team does. So with nine plus minutes to go in what you are facing, probably the most pivotal stretch in a fourth quarter Denver Nuggets history without your superstar who holds everything together. So you can understand the trepidation of Michael Malone as they enter probably the most pivotal fourth quarter of their season so far. And then what do we see? Jamal Murray basically starts controlling the game with his passing. He makes a big three-pointer when the Heat Climb within, I believe it was like five points. And in my opinion, I agree with Michael Malone. I'm not bringing him in right now because of the pressure that Bam puts on him.
0: Jamal Murray with a huge three-pointer.
2: And then from that point on, Miami will blitz him. Miami sending double teams, trying to get the ball out of his hands, and he finds open shooters. Jeff Green open in the corner for three, as if he's Jokic.
0: Picks it out of the corner. Jeff Green knocks down a three. A veteran Green with a big bucket, and it's back up to nine.
2: So now you see this, and it's like basically they do everything to fend off the heat. The heat can't get any closer. And by the time Jokic comes back in with four plus minutes to go, he has a nine point lead. And then that is extended to 17, and the Heat are done.
1: I mean, so this is really. A dagger. If you're Eric Spolstra, right, and whether, you know, that chatter at the beginning of the series, turning him into a passer or turning him into a scorer, I should <laughs> say, not letting him pass, create. I'm talking about Nikola Jokic, the best player in the world, won two out of the last three MVP awards, and he's out. He's out of the game. He's got five fouls. And instead of mounting a furious uh, assault on the Nuggets, you get Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon, too. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if
2: you're Eric Spolstra, you're probably wondering, what else can I come up with to try to figure out how to win? Yes. I mean, there are challenges that are facing the Heat already in that Miami is the more talented team with more star power. They're deeper. They're longer. They're more athletic. Obviously, we talk about pedigree and everything like that, but the Heat, the Heat are scrappy and everyone's talk about, oh, there's so many undrafted guys and, and Spo doesn't like that narrative. I understand that. But they're also missing Tyler Hero on top of that. So, so many things have to go right for the Miami Heat to win one game. And then you finally get all these things kind of breaking your way. And then you see the Nuggets continue to find ways to beat you. It's got to be, it's got to be deflating. And so Spoh said this the other day, everything we do, we're going to do this the hard way. We just got to do it again. But man, I don't know how many harder ways they could do it. You know what I mean? Like you had everything lined up for you mm. and you couldn't do that. It was an absolute dagger. You're right. And now in a game where you got to fight for your survival in arena that I would say, Jeremy, I'd never heard it louder than I did in game one and game two of the NBA finals. And it got pretty loud this postseason. I, I actually think, and I've never done this since I've been covering the NBA since 1997, I think I'm going to put noise-canceling headphones or my my earbuds in mm. in my ears because I, it's going to be that loud, I b- really believe, in Game 5 because they've been waiting for this moment for so long that I, I just think there's a lot of things going up against the Miami Heat this, this coming game.
1: You can't do too much to protect your hearing, <laughs> especially at our advanced age. Yes. I think the only time I ever had to do that was uh, the Vuvuzelas in South Africa at the World Cup. I had to wear the noise-canceling. Oh, yes, so, yes. <laughs> That was loud. So this is going to be their 20th game of the playoffs um you know, through 19 games in the playoffs, they are 15 and four. They sweep the Lakers. This is a team that didn't just have a great regular season but is better in the playoffs. How does that happen?
2: Yeah, I mean I would say that um listen I think in the finals we've seen a couple things and it's, I think it's pretty rare to see a championship team. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, because you you've watched a lot of NBA over, and you know you know the NBA as well as anybody. To see a championship team continue to evolve, I mean, yes, like we know. I remember like when the Chicago Bulls was making their first run with Michael. I I grew up a huge Bulls fan, and and you know they're going through those moments for the first time, and Michael's trusting guys like Stacey King in big minutes or Mm -hmm. things like that, or John Paxson. Yes, that you see that type of evolution. But how about this? In game three, we might have saw Nikola Jokic perhaps his most complete game because not only did he have that 30-20-10 triple-double, which was historic and never done before in the NBA Finals, he was playing defense. I mean, the one knock on the two-time MVP was that he doesn't defend at the rim. Well, you know what? He, he, as a primary defender or the, the a help defender, Miami shot three for 19 against Jokic. That included Bam Adebayo shooting one for 10 in that game three. His numbers of protecting at the rim, I asked our great people, it's Matt Williams at, at ESPN Stats and Information, and they basically said that his numbers, when, with people who have defended at the rim of 300 or more uh, possessions, Jokic finished second to last. I think it was like 39th out of 40th in the regular season. And then you get it. It's the regular season. You care a little bit more in the, in the postseason, but... His numbers have progressively gotten better and not only defending the rim with each round, but also in drop coverage on pick and rolls. So defensively, he's getting better. Then you see Jamal Murray, like I said, in those, those non Jokic minutes kind of step up. Aaron Gordon, I mean, we saw him last year in the first round get thrusted into a position where he had to be the number two guy for this team with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. out. That wasn't a role that he was meant to be in when they traded for him. And Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and the Golden State Warriors were all over him, talking trash, getting into him. I think it really kind of affected him mentally. And by the end of that series, when they lost in five games, Aaron Gordon looked like a shell of himself. And I think he went into this postseason Mm. really working on his not only his game, but his mental and so after they swept the Lakers, I asked him, like, can you talk about how far you've come from when you lost in five games and looked emotional against the Golden State Warriors to defending guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and having success against them? And now you're going to the NBA Finals. And he said, yeah, it's kind of like my redemption. And what ends up happening in this last game? He has probably the game of his life. His family was sitting like a couple rows in front of me and they were just so giddy to see this because I think Aaron Gordon had been the forgotten guy. He's off. He's had to sacrifice so much. He's had to do it all. And I think like this finals has been kind of like, you know, Aaron Gordon reminding people what he can do starting in that game one, when he had that great first quarter, where he was playing bully ball, backing up every smaller defender on him and taking advantage of that mismatch.
1: You know, you talk about Aaron Gordon being, you know, the forgotten man in some ways, like right oh the nuggets are the forgotten team. They're not as sexy as some other teams in the conference. Kind of a collective groan, I'm sure, from ESPN executive (laughs) offices when they sweep away the Lakers and LeBron James uh, in the conference finals. Does that stuff matter to them? Oh, absolutely. Uh,
2: Michael Malone will use it every chance he gets. The second round going into that series against Phoenix, Michael Malone and the Nuggets were well aware that the Phoenix Suns were not only favored to win that series, but we're a favorite to come out of the West in Vegas. And he definitely used that to his advantage, mentioning that several times that, hey, we're not even expected to win this series against the Phoenix Suns, you know? And of course, why not? They're so talented and nobody's picking us. And I think at the end of that series, I asked Malone, what is it like to go back to the Western Conference Finals when you said people weren't even picking you to do this? And he just said, look, we're just some dusty cow town In the Rocky Mountains that... Uh, Unsophisticated. Yes, yes. Nobody seems to care about us, and that's fine. Listen, there are numerous storylines that Michael Malone will pull out from Nikola Jokic being as great as he is and a two-time MVP, but people knocking him this season for stat padding to mentioning race when it came to the MVP race between Joel Embiid and and Nikola Mm. Jokic and mentioning, like, well, maybe people were voting for Jokic all these years because of race, which, you know, I think is a, a little absurd. And, you know, people calling Jokic the Steve Nash of this generation. I think as you've gone on this series and people watching the Nuggets, really, for real, for the first time, they're noticing Jokic's greatness. Jokic is a guy that you have to watch. You, you can't just look at the stats. You can't just watch the highlights. You have to watch the game. And if you're a basketball fan, you'll see him do things every now and then. You watch Jokic and he'll make a pass cross court without even looking and hit one of his players uh, 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 like on a dime. And you're just like, oh, my God, that was just disgusting what he just did. But it wasn't, you know, a flashy dunk over somebody. It wasn't some sort of crossover where he got somebody to fall or stumble. It wasn't even a no-look pass behind the back. It's just these little simple things that he does that you notice when you've been watching basketball for a long time that you're just like, wow, that guy just made that pass. That guy just made that kind of play. And he just keeps on doing it and doing it and doing it. And now I think the entire public and nation is starting to notice that along with Jamal Murray along with these Denver Nuggets, and then along with Michael Malone's coaching.
0: Delicious, meat nutritious, in the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes. Perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
1: Now, um, we can talk about Nikola Jokic some more. The two-time NBA MVP, you mentioned how his defense around the rim has improved and he's been so effective in this series in particular on Bam Adebayo. But, you know, for somebody who's been keenly observing him for so long, what is it like for you to see everybody else say, oh, now I get it?
2: (laughs) I'm just glad they're getting to see his brilliance and his dominance. He does it in so many different ways if a team decides we're we're going to double team him, well, then he makes these unbelievable plays and he still ends up with a triple-double. I mean, the guy can rack up 10 assists in one half. It's just unbelievable. You see him do things new. It feels like every time you watch him. So game one, you know, he takes like basically five shots through the first three quarters and is still on his way to a triple-double. He's still just like controlling the game. Mm. And so you see these like, Different variations of how Jokic can beat you. And I think he likes this. He said this the other day. He likes the chess match. I think he called it like the brain match or something like that. But basically, he loves trying to counter whatever teams throw at you. Mm. If you notice, like, you know, sometimes he throws the ball like one-handed, like almost like a water polo guy. And and he kind of did play water polo, I right. think, growing up. So that's kind of like where that comes from a little bit. They've always had good water polo in Serbia. Yeah, they have they have everything good in Serbia, apparently. Right. Um, so, so like, I, I think Jokic one time, I remember uh, he was asked about his passing and why he had so many turnovers in the beginning of games. And he says, I just like to try kind of crazy passes sometimes to see what I can get away with. Guess what, Jeremy? The, the only other time I've ever heard that from another player, Jason Kidd. I remember he used to ask Jason Kidd all the time, I'd be like, man, you have a lot of, you have high turnovers in the very first quarter. And he said, because I'm testing the defense, I'm seeing what I can get away with. And once I figure that out, then I know what I can attack and everything else. And Jokic does almost the same thing, but he's a center. Yeah. He's a seven-one center. That's what makes it so amazing.
1: I really wasn't expecting the similarity scores between Jason Kidd and Nikola Jokic to be so high in your estimation, Ohm. But you know, one one thing specifically I want to ask you about is the Jokic Murray pick and roll. And how they utilize it. it is as dominant of a two
2: man game as probably we will see in NBA history. I mean, uh, we like to talk about Stockton Malone, for example, you know, but their pick and roll mm. is just so, so hard to defend the screening because on top of that, like, OK, you've got this 7172 wide body who is incredibly strong, like an ox physical and wide, and so he creates the space for Jamal. Once you fight through that and you're on top of Jamal, Jamal only needs one little sidestep to create space from his defender. And so you see that a lot of times. You just don't know which way Jamal's going to go. He's so shifty. And then on top of that, you know, you leave Jokic. What are you going to do? Jokic rolls to the basket. And now he's got that little floater, which he's like almost money on every single time. Or, you know, Jokic has a ball in his hands. It's like basically you have two point guards setting a screen for each other, but one of them is 7-1, and he's got the body of a big who can create the space, and the other one is just a shifty scorer who's already hard to guard one-on-one as it
1: is, let
2: alone Jokic.
1: And um, we're talking to you on Sunday, day ahead of Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and um, we're, we're possibly halfway, at the halfway point of a remarkable double in Serbian sports history Novak Djokovic having just won his 23rd Grand Slam singles title in Paris and his countryman Nikola Jokic can win an NBA title tonight Monday night you know what i mean uh, what's the connection between these guys so it's weird like i've seen pictures of them together
2: and yet i th- i think it was maybe the last round um Jokic was asked about Djokovic and how like you know basically the ambassadors they are and in typical Jokic fashion, he was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, Djokovic is the ambassador. He's the hero of the country. He's the one that everybody <laughs> wants to be, not me, you know. And and then he was like, I don't even have his number, which I was like, what, really? I thought they were friends, you know. And he was like, no, I don't even have his number. He goes, He goes, somebody told me he was going to call me. And so, you know, hopefully we get to talk. So then you fast forward to, I think, uh, at the end of game four, He's asked about Novak again and he says, Oh yeah, you know, he's like, Novak texted me, he texted me, and he was so excited <laughs> that he got a text from Novak.
1: <laughs> and so well, now he's got the number. Yeah. Even if even if Novak didn't want him to have the number, now he has it by default.
2: Yeah. And I saw I saw him today in the hallway and I said, Your boy won the French Open. Did you see that? And he was like, Yep. And so, you know, it it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what's in the water in Serbia, but to have this these two guys be the best in their very sport. If Joker goes on to win his first championship, what else can you say about this guy? Every single night that Nikola Jokic plays, it seems like ESPN stats and info will send something like, you know, this is done for the first time since Will Chamberlain, or he's doing this for the first time since Oscar Robertson and Magic Johnson. Right. He's heading toward, you know, being an all-time
1: great. Well, you mentioned Will Chamberlain. And of course, it was Chamberlain who said nobody roots for Goliath. And that seems to me to be part of the narrative around Nikola Jokic over the last few years. Even though he's won the two MVP awards, the big guys typically don't get the credit. But Nikola Jokic, if he wins an NBA title, he's been in the league now for 10 years, we would expect him to be the finals MVP. Um, Is there a point at which people maybe start rooting for Goliath? I don't view... Joker's Goliath, like
2: not like Shaq. Shaq was Goliath. Mm. Shaq was a guy that was such a physical brute force, unlike anything we'd ever seen. Nobody could relate to that. And yes, nobody can relate to being 7172 like Nikola Jokic, but you can relate to the things he does because he doesn't beat anyone with incredible athleticism. He beats you with just fundamentals. He beats you with incredible passing. Yes, he's got gifted passing like like only the few we've seen of like Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, those likes, but um but you know, it's like kind of like Steph Curry, I think. If you're growing up and you're watching this, you're you're saying, "Well, I probably think I can do some of the things Nikola Jokic does because he's not beating you with quickness, he's not beating you with athleticism. You know, he's not blowing by anybody. He's beating you with floaters, he's beating you with like three-pointers. He's beating you with incredible passing and teamwork he's not the best defensively yet he has gotten better at that so I, I i don't look at him as goliath and the scary thing is is that i think he might be able to still get better because like he doesn't shoot the three that often there's so many times when like he passes up an open three and they're like man if you would just shoot this three Think about how much better Nuggets would be because it would just spread the floor even if he was just a little more selfish because he's just not
1: selfish enough. He's so selfless. One more win. That's all they need. First championship ever for the Denver Nuggets. They're on the verge of it. And Om Masook will be there whether or not it happens. Om, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Jeremy Schaap, and this has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.